Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Everyone thought he was crazy. He built an ark for 120 years. And yet he built the ark on dry land with no water around and seemingly with no water ever to come around. Why did Noah do this? Well, of course, eventually Noah's actions were vindicated. His faith in God's command to build that ark was proven right. Notice Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Just as in the days of Noah, there are plenty of scoffers in this end time. People gathered to scorn and ridicule Noah, perhaps almost every day as he built the ark. They thought he was a quack, and yet, Eventually, water burst forth out of the ground and it came down hard from the sky. And all those people who ridiculed Noah scratched and clawed to get onto the ark, but it was already too late. That's the paradox. By the time they believed Noah, it was too late to save themselves. By the time they had a chance to witness real evidence that Noah was right, it was too late. And so often, it is so easy to only believe after the evidence arrives. After we can finally see that the statement is true. But sadly, that is not how faith works. Faith transcends physical evidence. Hebrews 11 tells us in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
So faith is evidence without physical evidence. Even when we don't, especially when we don't have physical evidence, we still should believe God's promises and obey God's commands because God is right every single time and everything he says absolutely will come true. If it's in the Bible, all we have to do is believe it. There are plenty of things written in the Bible for us to heed. All kinds of warnings from our creator. And it's just a matter of, will we have the faith to believe before it is too late? The scoffers in Noah's time believed only when the water was rushing toward them, about to drown them. If only they had believed a little bit earlier, even a day earlier in that entire 120-year period, as Noah tirelessly constructed the ark, those people could have been saved if they would have just believed one day earlier. Sure, there wouldn't have been any physical evidence, but their faith in God would have been the evidence. The faith is, has God said it? Okay, yes, then just believe. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry wrote an article back in 2015 titled, Our Noah Work. The story of Noah, as we have just covered, is in 2 Peter chapter 3. And it is fascinating that the Apostle Peter would focus so much on Noah in this staggering, sobering warning of 2 Peter. This letter is really a lightning bolt of a warning. And we ought to take heed before it is too late. The Apostle Peter draws on the example of Noah in the hopes that we will wake up before it is too late. Mr. Flurry writes, you can look at Noah's example and see that God saves a few. God's people must back and support our Noah message. It is a message about the end of the world and of man's rule on earth. It's about standing alone and using the power of God. Why does God contrast world destruction with eight people? Noah and his close family members. Just eight people escaped the flood. They were a contrast to the entire world that drowned. Mr. Flurry says about that, God is speaking directly to us to encourage us to face what is coming. We absolutely cannot escape the reality that another worldwide destruction event is coming. 
as we read in second Peter chapter three, Peter reminds us of Noah and the world of that time being flooded and all human life wiped out by water. But then Peter points to the future and says a different kind of destruction is coming. Second Peter three, verse seven, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In the past, water ended human life. In the future, fire will end human life. Nuclear fire. We are lurching toward nuclear apocalypse every single day. Madmen in nations like Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran, plus a lot of undercover madmen across Europe have access to nuclear weapons. Now, usually, the threat of mutually assured destruction is enough for these madmen not to push the button. But what about someone in Iran? These radical Islamist terrorists who actually think that causing more violence and chaos will cause their false version of the Messiah to return faster. Those are the types of people who embrace nuclear World War III. Those are the types of people, if they can finally fully access a nuclear weapon like they've been working toward for a long time, those types of people will use it. They are not scared of mutually assured destruction. This idea that, well, if I push the button, some other madman is also going to push the button. I certainly don't want that. In Iran, they don't think that way. Nuclear fire is coming. It's just a matter of when. People can scoff at that all they want. But it would be just like it was in Noah's day where people are eating and drinking and partying and ignoring reality until the floodwaters wipe them away. And in this end time, people will just be caught up in leisure and pleasure, ignoring reality until the fire descends upon them. People can say that's crazy all they want, but this warning message will be proven true. God's work gets this warning message out. This is a Noah work. Mr. Gerald Flurry writes in this article, our Noah work, the depravity in society today is a sign that it is about to become ashes. That is an unpopular message. We need all the courage and all the power of God 
to follow Noah's tremendous example and do this job. Obviously, delivering a message like that, that people will hate, is a challenge. Commanding people to turn to God and repent is highly unpleasant at times. Mr. Flurry has to get that message out. God orders him to do it. And he needs a lot of support. Notice how Peter really issues this alarming warning here in his epistle of Second Peter. This warning letter to the church. Second Peter 2 and verse 12 says, But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Mr. Flurry points out here that Peter is talking about humans descending to the level of brute beasts, the lowly animals. And Mr. Flurry says, animals have no potential for eternal life. They just live for a short time and die. Likewise, a person who doesn't use God's Holy Spirit will have no eternal life. Mankind was made to live forever. But if men don't repent of their sins and submit to God's government, their future is the same as brute beasts. Now, I think it's interesting that today humans absolutely cherish animals while totally devaluing their own offspring. There are <laughs> videos out there of people convincing just random people in public to sign a petition to protect sea turtle eggs. Let's make it a high crime with a severe offense or a severe punishment if anyone would dare to step on a sea turtle egg. And of course, all these passers-by agree to sign the petition. Protect and preserve the sea turtles. But then... The bait and switch happens and that same petitioner says, okay, would you sign this petition to protect unborn humans? What about babies in the womb? Are we going to protect them as well? And then of course, those people do not want to sign that petition. So they want to protect sea turtles, which is great, but not human babies. Clearly, that puts sea turtles ahead of humans. People today treat their dogs 
as if they are children. And it's just not the same. There is a special relationship that humans can have with dogs, but dogs don't have a human spirit. And they cannot be taught to think like God. But you just see that everywhere today where people are trying to act like animals are on the same level as humans or even higher than us. And here Peter says, humans are becoming like brute beasts by rebelling against God and cutting themselves off from the power of his Holy Spirit. Peter is talking about people who once did obey God and yet they rebelled. And they're quenching their supply of the Holy Spirit. And they're in danger of dying forever, just like a dumb animal, a brute beast, if they don't get back on track very quickly. It really is possible for humans to descend to the level of brute beasts. But not in the way that so many suppose today, where... They believe in evolution and they think that we are animals. No, but we can die forever just like animals if we don't obey God. 2 Peter 2 verse 13 says, And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. These are people who riot in the daytime. They're brazen with their sins. They don't even care who sees. And that's how our society is. Just rebellion out in the open. Lawlessness taking over. In some cases, in the form of literal riots with no fear of repercussions. People who think they are entitled to looting a store or mugging someone and leaving them for dead in the street. That is how the world is. People behaving like brute beasts. But what a shame it is when even God's own people start to behave like brute beasts. And that is happening in this end time. 95% of God's people have rebelled. They've stopped doing this Noah work and getting this message out. Mr. Fleury writes, none of us has any potential unless we rid ourselves of human nature. Human nature simply will not accept the rule of God. People will not listen to a Noah or a prophet of God today. So they have to deal with weapons of mass destruction and human annihilation. That's the sad fact of it. 
brazen rebellion and lawlessness will be met with strong punishment, especially for those who knew God and have rebelled. Those people are in danger of losing their eternal lives. At least people who never knew God will be resurrected and have another chance. Not so for those who were in the church and were converted at one time and then rebelled. As it says here in 2 Peter 2, verse 14, there are people who are unable to stop sinning. They're hooked on sin. Mr. Flurry says they are hooked on sin like heroin. Their willpower is destroyed. That is what sin does to a person. It saps you of the will to live righteously. Look around at society. Can you find even one righteous man or woman? Someone who really values family and stays pure and tries to obey God? It's almost impossible to find anyone. And the few you can find, if we're being honest, are in God's church. Satan is on the, the attack. He's trying to derail as many of us as he possibly can. And so we have to maintain serious urgency in this time. 2 Peter 2 verse 20 says, and this is a warning to God's church, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So really, that is not an option for us. We cannot just go right back into the darkness and evil of the world if God has called us out. I mean, obviously, it's possible to do that, but it's not a good option at all. Mr. Flurry says that the word knowledge here, when it's talking about having the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the word knowledge there is talking about an intensive form of knowledge, thorough participation in the knowledge. Mr. Flurry quotes Mr. Armstrong, Herbert W. Armstrong, who always said, if you don't put your heart in this work, you won't grow. If you don't thoroughly participate in this work and get intensive knowledge of the work through real experience, then you won't grow. We need intensive training and intensive labor doing this work so that we can grow. Mr. Flurry says this is the kind of knowledge that directs your life. It is intense knowledge that causes us to want to give our lives to this work. That is the kind of knowledge we need, Peter says, if we are to escape the pollutions of the world. This knowledge causes us to submit to our Lord or Master 
and then let him empower us with his Holy Spirit and become our Savior. We need to do this Noah work and be empowered by God to finish this work as soon as possible. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. We have to get that message out and help people turn back to God before it is too late. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.